Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Dimension Fold YouTube and podcast. And today we are privileged to have with us Samuel Chong, who is, uh, it, it's a little bit of a funny story, so I'll get him to tell the story, I guess. But um, basically he is representing um, uh, Michel Demarais. Is that the correct way to say his name? Demarais. Demarais. Michel Demarais. Uh, who wrote a book and um, sadly is no longer with us, uh, but is um, is now has a few uh, colleagues who are uh, kind of uh, taking his book and are trying to spread the word. So, um, Samuel, why don't you tell us, first of all, just tell us really briefly about the book, and then I'll ask you further questions. Yes. According to Michel de Marquet, the book writes about his personal experiences of being taken by the extraterrestrials who have a very advanced civilization to their planet for nine days and then came back. He was told a lot of the mysteries of the paranormal on Earth, um, also about the, the meaning of life, stories in the Bible, etc. Yeah, okay. So, and, and tell us a little bit about, um, about uh, Michel, like who, who was he? He was born in Normandy, France, um, in the 1930s, and then later he went to Australia. Uh, he was a landscaper. Um, he had a farm. Uh, he grew a lot of uh, vegetables and crops, and but one night he was taken away by the ETs. Okay, so he had this abduction experience, and uh, they, there was a lot of information that was um, parlayed to him by the extraterrestrials which he wrote down um, in in his native tongue of French and has now been translated into several um, several different languages. And the book is called, uh, uh, sorry, can, can you pronounce it again? Theoba Prophecy. Theoba Prophecy, okay. So, and I, I saw that it's on Amazon, uh, what, one of the English editions, and your involved is, uh, your involvement comes with the, uh, is it the Mandarin translation? Yes, the Mandarin Chinese translation in China and Taiwan. Okay, so how did you get involved in that? Um, because I wanted to learn what uh, he was not allowed to write in the book. Uh, the one thing that he was prohibited to write anything about it in the book, because according to him, is uh, is really incredible, and uh, people are far from understanding that fact. Uh, I was very curious about it, and I visited him, and uh, hoping uh, that he could reveal that information to me. He refused the first time, uh, yeah. not until I was able to get the books, uh, his book published in China and Taiwan. Oh, okay. So then he eventually told you the secret? Yes, the second time that I visited him, he told me personally what the secret was. All right. Are you allowed to tell us? <laughs> uh, not really, <laughs> but I could give as many hints as possible. Uh, okay. according, to, <laughs> according to him, Tao the ET instructed him not to uh, reveal anything about it, uh, and he instructed me to do the same. But he yeah. didn't tell me that uh, I couldn't make a quiz or a riddle <laughs> or a puzzle out of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so maybe we'll we may circle back to that. But first of all, what are some of the things that um, that you are allowed to tell us? So this, I, I've skimmed a, a few sections of the book, 
And there's a lot of information in there. Um, it seems like, uh, I guess, first of all, just can you walk us through the, the basic narrative of what happens in the story? I'm, I'll use the word story, not not to necessarily indicate that it's fictional or anything like that, but um, there's definitely a narrative taking place uh, throughout the book. Um, so, yeah, g give us a kind of a quick rundown on that. Yes, so he, uh, in the middle of the night, he uh, he was awoken and he wrote a note to his wife that he would be gone for 10 days and there's absolutely no need to worry about him. He walked to his backyard and he was lifted up into a parallel universe where the spaceship was, sta was stationed at. Um, and then uh, they took him to another planet um, and then to their final destination, the planet Theoba. Uh, on the way there, he was uh, told a lot of uh, facts about Earth, where the black people, where the yellow people came from, where the Caucasians came from, where the Jewish people came from, and also um, how many things evolved on Earth. Um, and uh, also interesting facts about uh, um, what uh, what is it like in, in the parallel universe, who built the Great Pyramid? What are the ghosts? Why some people can see ghosts? And uh, also uh, stories about the ET's interventions throughout history, such as the stories of um, Sodom and Gomorrah, and also um, Moses and Jesus Christ. Uh, and also the importance of um, uh, being able to see uh, auras and or human energy fields, and also pay attention to the therapeutic effects of colors and also know the dangers of noise and also uh, hallucinogenic drugs. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of health uh, kind of related stuff that I, that I noticed as well. Um, so, so basically is the, is the idea that, um, that aliens came to earth in the past and that's where, where humans come from is that we have evolved or been planted here uh, from an extraterrestrial society? Actually, uh, the universe uh, has a lot of uh, categories. Uh, we are on category one planet, and uh, the Theobans uh, are on category nine planet. So we have different levels. So Earth is like uh, elementary school uh, for us to, to learn the basics. And they, uh, category nine, are like uh, professors um, giving us directions in life. And so instructing us uh, which way to, to go. Um, and it's up to us whether to follow them or, or their suggestions or not. We have our own free will. Um, so there, the black people and yellow people came from category one planet. And the Jewish people actually came from category three planet by accident. Um, okay. so, so that's very interesting because uh, the Jewish people are certainly very unique. Um, in a very good way. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the book explains a lot of the history, like where we came from. And also it uh, unveils some of the, the mysteries that people nowadays wonder about. Um, was there life on Mars? What's uh, really going on on the far side of the moon? What, is there really alien space, uh, alien bases like that? So yeah. the book gives all the answers. Okay, cool. Uh, and and how long ago did that occur? Like when the when they when the first people arrived on Earth? 
that was uh, 1.35 million years ago. The black oh, people, wow. yellow, yes, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so the black people and yellow people came first, and then the okay. Caucasians, and then the Jewish people. Okay. Did, did the Caucasians come separately, uh, like a separate trip, or, or is it like a, yeah? Yeah, they came uh, yeah. on a separate trip. They first uh, landed uh, on the continent of Atlantis, where in ancient times, uh, about 14,500 years ago, it was uh, uh, really a continent in the uh, Atlantic Ocean. Um, and there they lived, and they were actually colonized by another group of ETs uh, that, who lived on Earth on the continent of uh, Lemuria. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the Lemurians actually had very advanced technologies and civilization. Uh, but then um, 14,500 years ago, the continent sunk into the ocean. So the right. great civilization was lost. Okay. So I guess one one question that that, bring, that that part of it brings up to me is like, like all of us humans are all like this, I mean, we're, we all have the same, um, we're the same species. We have very, very uh, small differences in our DNA between, you know, like the book mentions the black people and the yellow people. And to me, that's like, I mean, granted, the, this book was written, what, in the 60s or something? Or in, in the 80s? 1980s. 1980s. And so maybe it's it's like pre-woke uh, kind of society a little bit and mm -hmm. you know but it kind of smacks of a little bit of racism and stuff like that um, which I, I don't think that he intends um, but it does make you wonder like why um, like does that does it really add up to say that you know different uh, different types of people that are here now are really from different planets when we kind of all really are all the same what do you think well, about that yeah i think uh, this is a very interesting observation um the people who came here are mostly uh from category one planets and because the earth has its own um, physical characteristics so when people came here um and and talking about the physical body and astral body when the astral bodies came here they uh, go into the physical body that's really adapt, um, adapted to the local environment. So that's why we all have the similar DNA, but we all have uh, astral bodies that are different, especially, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's almost like a different dimension, I guess. Uh, yeah, the astral bodies, uh, different dimensions. You can yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay, so... I think that answers my first question. Um, what is, what what would you like to tell us uh, about the book? Yeah, the book is really an eye opener. So it uh, really um, shocked me about uh, the stories in the Bible because before I read this book, I even though I went to the church regularly, I didn't believe anything written in the Bible, not a single word. I, yeah. I it just seems to me Jesus Christ was. Um, a fictional character. Okay. <laughs> it's just impossible to perform the miracles. And there are right. a lot of um, discrepancies or, or something that cannot be explained in the Bible uh, in, in its uh, archaic language. And, and I think, um, but after reading this book, it really um, shows me that a lot of the uh, inconsistencies or, in, uh, or discrepancies in the Bible can be explained. 
For example, some people say that Jesus went to India, and also there's a tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo Village, Japan. And this book explains that in a very interesting way that um, the Jesus, the young Jesus, the baby Jesus born out of Virgin Mary was actually a person from the embryo implanted by the ETs uh, into Virgin Mary's uterus. That right. Jesus was there born out of Virgin Mary was to fulfill the prophecies of the ancient scriptures that the Messiah was about to be born, was going to be born out of a virgin. Um, but because uh, he was born that way through like an embryo, he would uh, have to go through what they call a river of oblivion, forgetting everything that happened in his past lives and forgetting all the abilities and the knowledge to perform miracles. So this is why in the Bible, there's no record of Jesus performing miracles before the age of 30. Everything right. happened in you know, a sudden, like after the age of 30, but when he began to preach um, the messages. Um, so the Jesus that could perform the miracles was actually someone sent by the Theobans, was one of them who um, had, they, they made a body that looked like uh, the Jesus who went to Japan. Uh, and then they inserted their astral body into that physical body so that um, the Christ who could perform miracles had all the knowledge to do so. And he knew what was going to happen in his life. He knew he was going to be crucified on the cross. Uh, he was indeed crucified on the cross and died and uh, resurrected three days after. Um, he did that just to show people at that time that there's life after death and there's reincarnation. But the concept of reincarnation was somehow erased or deleted, deleted by the Catholic Church councils. Um, reincarnation actually exists in a lot of uh, religious beliefs. And modern science also proves that reincarnation exists. Like researchers done by uh, Dr. Michael Newton, uh, Dr. Brian Weiss, and Dr. Ian Stevenson, they all have um, uh, circumstantial direct evidence that um, reincarnation exists. Hmm. Well, it is interesting because it's also, it has not been completely scrubbed out of the Bible, uh, despite the best efforts, because when we see um, at the Transfiguration, where Jesus is uh, is up on the mountain, and it's what sounds like a, a UFO or a flying saucer comes down on onto the mountain, and um, suddenly there are some some people there, some perhaps extra dimensional or extraterrestrial. I mean, we don't we don't really get a good description of them, um, other than that they're glowing, and uh, the uh, but Jesus' disciples who are with him say. Um, Basically, they think that it's um, uh, Abraham or um, or I Isaiah or Enoch or one of those guys come back, where they they already know that those guys are well dead, but maybe not dead because maybe they were taken up into UFOs and never died. But it's interesting because there's this you know there's enough evidence there that you can. You, you have to question, well, what's going on in this story here? Something strange is happening. 
Actually, yes, I really agree. Um, I totally agree because the Bible was written uh, about 2,000 years ago. So it's uh, using analogy. Um, Jesus was trying to uh, preach to what we call the ancient people at that time. So it's very similar to uh, what we uh, are trying to, if we are trying to tell a caveman the dangers of atomic bomb, we have to use a lot of analogy or parables. This right. is what Jesus did to the people at that time. So the Bible was written that way, uh, using a lot of uh, parables and analogies. And, and so we have to interpret the Bible in a very interesting way. I really agree with you that uh, there was a lot of uh, evidence that UFOs or uh, alien spacecrafts that really appeared in the Bible multiple times. And in fact, uh, Michel de Marquet, the author of Theobald Prophecy, um, when he read the book of Enoch, he was shocked because the descriptions by Enoch uh, are really similar to what he personally experienced uh, going on his trip to the planet Theobald. Mm -hmm. So he really believed that Enoch was taken by the same group of ETs to their planet. Yeah, well, we have Enoch, um, who is said to be taken by the Lord, and um, he he just was not, like he just disappeared, essentially. Mm -hmm. We have Isaiah, who uh, was taken up in uh, some kind of fiery chariot, like a metallic object. Um, and then on, the, on Mount Sinai, uh, famously, uh, Moses witnessed a, what appears to be a hu humongous uh, flying saucer, um, that uh, that could fit um, uh, dozens of people aboard. And I talk about that in my book, uh, UFOs in the Bible. Um, and yeah, there's there's about uh, 50 other, almost, well, 45, I think, uh, is the number of, of instances that I counted that, that appear to be talking about flying saucers. And we are, we've been interpreting them in this... Um, kind of metaphysical or like this sort of I don't know I I mean I I guess I could say spiritual but what does that even mean in in this context when we have uh physical phenomenon are happening and then we we've I think that uh, the Christianity has done a poor job of understanding and interpreting and um kind of bringing that those stories into the 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 actual um you know the the conventional understanding of what the Bible's saying, but if you really read the Bible in Hebrew, there's a lot of really strange things going on that that are not they're just really covered up by the but the, by the translations that we have grown accustomed to. Yeah, you know, I go to a church, a local church in Alhambra called the Mandarin Baptist Church in Los Angeles, and yeah. when I try to convey the idea that um, there are some evidence or in the Bible written about the flying saucers, they uh, kind of reject that idea. That, yeah, they um, don't like that too much. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering how we can, what we can do to make the Christians, so-called Christians, more open-minded. Yeah, well, I think it's good that, uh, I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot more books coming out now where uh, that are really tying these ideas together. Um, my book is only one of uh, s several others. Um, I, yeah, I think it's, we do have to kind of learn to look at things a little bit differently and start to ask questions. And instead of just, um, 
you know, uh, going along with whatever so-and-so tells us and just believing, which, which is difficult because if you, if you question, um, then you're, you, a lot of times you will get an answer like, well, you just have to have faith. But, uh, Jesus never told us that his message was not to just trust in, in man. Uh, in fact, it was the opposite. He said, he said ex explicitly, do not trust in man. And yet this is all we're doing because we're, um, when we believe the Orthodox teachings and we just, uh, swallow whatever pill they're trying to feed us on Sunday, then, um, we're just trusting in man. And that's not what faith means. That's not the faith that Jesus talked about. You know, he, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll move mountains. And, and the things that he was doing were, were miraculously, uh, miraculous in many ways. And that's, that's, that's the faith that he's talking about faith to do miracles. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's, it is quite fascinating. And oh, I, I did wanted to mention as well, like, when you were talking about um, Jesus, and uh, possibly, may, may, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounded to me like you were saying that, um, the, that uh, Mary was impregnated by some kind of extraterrestrial or extra um, dimensional force which is essentially what the Bible says because it says God impregnated her um, and God is nothing if not interdimensional. Um, but uh, one thing that I found in my research was that um, this, the same thing happened essentially. Um, they, they don't make a big deal about mentioning the, the woman's virginity in these other stories, uh, but the same thing happened to um, Elizabeth uh, who is Mary's cousin, and to Samson's mother, and to, um, I think there were three or four uh, women who, who had this exact same thing happen to them. And basically, uh, there is a parallel string which runs through all of those, because every time that this happened, um, the, the angel, which we don't really know what an angel is, but uh, this, there was a guy there whose name is Gabriel. And this Gabriel guy shows up, and suddenly women are getting pregnant everywhere. So it's a very strange uh, story, cons also considering the timelines involved um, between um, the the first, the earliest example, and up to the time of of Mary and Jesus um, is hundreds of years, if not more. Mm. So it's it's quite fascinating. Yeah. And the book uh, really goes into a lot of details about uh, specific uh, Catholic Church councils that removed certain or intentionally changed the original original scriptures of the Bible. It named four different council meetings. The Council of Nicaea is one of the four. Um, and the book goes into details um, about passages in the in Genesis um, regarding the discrepancies in the Bible that uh, really, if you look into details, that really goes against uh, the main doctrines or beliefs of the current Catholic Church. Um, and, and I would suggest uh, people or viewers or audience to, to really check out the book and read that chapter on who is Christ to learn about the discrepancies in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and, and in Genesis, and, and to learn more about it. 
Um, well, the main I'm, message. I'm going to read that. I'm going to yeah. read that chapter. Wh which chapter is that? What number? Um, I think it's chapter. Uh, the chapter title is "Who is Christ." Oh, okay. So it tells the history of uh, Jesus Christ. Also, a little bit about Moses. Um, yeah. How, how they parted the sea. <laughs> so it's, yeah, um, Moses is a really interesting character. I mean, basically, he's Egyptian, and but that part, like, that's totally obvious that he's an yeah. Egyptian. Um, but uh, nobody talks about that, and yeah. it's, you're not really allowed to mention that. It's like <laughs> they purposely made this very clean break. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's quite yeah. fascinating. Yeah, this book is specifically mentioned that Moses was an Egyptian, not not mm. a, so it's okay. kind of uh, proves your point too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess the the there's a lot of information. Um, and a, a kind of a lot of a very detailed um, narrative and, and a lot of dialogue and stuff like that um, between um, Michel and his his abductees, if you if you will, or his hosts. Mm -hmm. um, what are the uh, I guess what are the the main points that they're like? Wh well, why did they take him? Is, is one question. The reason is that uh, why do they take him now is that we are in a very critical moment of time. We are at a cross point and, and it's very important for us to make the right decisions right now for the future because uh, we are too focused on um, the material aspect of life, the technologies, and not so focused on the spiritual development aspect of our lives. So if we keep doing that, we are going to be facing a a very dangerous future. So this is why they're using Michel de Marquet to uh, send a message to us to help us indirectly so that we can learn on our own um, to make the right decisions. Why did they choose him, not other people? So there are two aspects of, um, of, that, reason, of, of that point. Is that uh, according to them, because they are taking him on category nine planet, in order to survive for nine days on their planet, a person would have to have um, 80 past lives. So Michel de Marquet was one of the few people on Earth at that time who uh, had 80 past lives already. So they took him. And the, the other reason was that um, I think is because um, he was uh, just a landscaper. He didn't have any agenda or presuppositions or um, predispositions. And, and, and this is just like a, a blank piece of paper to write on. So he would be able to report accurately what he observed and experienced. If he were like a journalist or someone who has um, a big uh, uh, ego or someone who has a, a big uh, purpose, then then they would uh, not uh, report accurately uh, and write a book uh, to the letter. Yeah. Cool. Um, you mentioned uh, a, a, a particular village in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it called again? It's called Shingo Village. Shingo uh, Village. Yeah. Yes, S-H-I-N-G-O. Yeah, so this is intriguing because um, this is the third time this week that I've heard about this story uh, where Jesus um, apparently was living in Shingo Village in Japan. Um, so it's becoming a, a popular um, piece of information, and yet I had not heard about it before this week. Um, so it's interesting that this book was written 
for what 40 years ago yes. 40 years almost yes. and um and then now this piece of information is suddenly becoming widespread um is this the is this like the the source of that or have you heard of, of this shingo village from other sources as well I heard about uh, Shingo Village from this book in the very beginning. Uh, but then I did a lot of research. I found out that other people talked about it. Um, and after this book was uh, published, and uh, some people shot videos and, and uh, visited the, the village and found a lot of very interesting um, customs uh, of the people in the village. Uh, when they sing songs, they sing a song which sounded like uh, the ancient Hebrew language. And wow. they also had a lot of different customs, very different from other Japanese customs. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a different uh, culture, civilization type of uh, very different kind of different from the surrounding communities. Yes, yes, very different. Huh. Mm -hmm. And there's also a claim um, that of, of almost the same type of thing. Um, of a another remote village in northern India um, is, uh, I believe it's in the Kashmir somewhere. Um, have, what do you make of those claims? Well, I think uh, Jesus, the one who couldn't perform miracles, uh, traveled there too. And uh, really because according to Theoba prophecy, he traveled with his brother to India and to China and his brother died in China, and he took um, um, some of his brother's hair as a as as a something to remember of him of, and then to Japan, and then he he when he died, he had uh, the hair of his brother buried in a tomb next to his tomb, so there are two tombs in Shingo Village, Japan, so people can verify that information. Okay, so in this story, the the. The original Jesus, I guess, if you if you will, whatever they called him, then it wasn't Jesus. Um, but there was this um, uh, uh, Hebrew guy in Israel with and his brother, and then they they left and traveled to the east, and then that the Jesus character was replaced by the extraterrestrials. Yes, and that's why he has this these powers. The reason for them to do that was uh, to really be able to for perform miracles because people at that time, just like what we are nowadays, we have to see someone uh, very different, uh, more powerful, more powerful than us in order to believe his preachings or his teachings. So mm -hmm. if uh, Jesus uh, was not able to perform miracles uh, in the ancient past, people wouldn't have believed him. So this right. is why they have to... Uh, make a, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I mean that's true because we're not. You know, we can't just believe whatever everybody tells us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm going to be honest. I have a hard time believing a lot of the stuff that Michelle has written here. Um, not not that I'm going to say I do believe it or don't believe it, but I'm going to say that a lot of it is a, a little bit hard to believe, and that's good because I think we need to. Um, we need to question these things and we need to ask for evidence. So, yeah. yeah, is there any like physical evidence or anything to corroborate his story? Yeah, the book was written in the late 80s and a lot of evidence actually came after the book was published. 
for example, uh, this book talks about the uh, life on Mars and also the alien bases on the moon. So uh, in the late 80s, people never mentioned or never started to, uh, didn't start to talk about the life on Mars or alien bases on the far side of the moon. But, mm. uh, but nowadays people talk about it. And this book specifically mentioned that uh, back uh, 300,000 years ago, there was life uh, on Mars. But because mm. the core of Mars was cooling down, um, and the life forms couldn't uh, survive anymore. So that's why there's no life form on Mars anymore. Um, I did some research. When the core of a planet cools down, it loses the uh, uh, electromagnetic field so that uh, when the planet doesn't have the electromagnetic field anymore, uh, atmosphere couldn't be, won't be able to be captured. So right. if there's no oxygen, then there's not gonna be any life on Mars. So this is right. why Mars is a, like a desert planet or, or a dead planet. Okay. And so that was three, did you say 30,000 or 300,000? 300,000 years ago. 300,000 years ago. So that's, I mean, given that timeline, um, there would be, even with even with the very thin atmosphere that Mars currently has, there would, there would be enough erosion over 300,000 years that it would essentially scour away any traces of, of whatever remained, right? Like if there there could have been skyscrapers and you know New York style cities there, um, but in that amount of time, it would essentially um, evaporate or, or just like I mean the um, between erosion and the chemical um, uh, I can't think of the word suddenly, but you know where chemicals break down and and um, things rust and decay and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's a long time. Yes. Um, you know, so it wouldn't. It's not surprising that there's barely any trace of anything left on Mars. Um, although that's also debatable because a lot of people um, are are really kind of uh, talking about like finding structures on Mars and like that some of the new NASA photos. Um, like out of, the, out of the last couple of years, we've been seeing some photos that they do almost look like um, some kind of man-made structure, um, but it's hard to tell, right? So, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Um, the moon base is kind of a, another interesting point. I wonder if you have any um, any insider information uh on the the rumors that the uh chinese uh, government has set up a moon base on the backside of the moon already in the last two years <laughs> it's certainly not the chinese government <laughs> no they took, they took photos on the uh on the far side of the moon but they didn't really set up any alien bases they don't have the ability trust me i know the chinese government <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did they did their photos reveal anything interesting though uh, they didn't. Uh, they they did the same thing that the NASA did. They erased a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> you know, I know the Chinese government. When they accomplish something, they would uh, boast it immediately. Yeah. They wouldn't wait for maybe two days or so to release the photos. Okay. I mean, there must be something happening in the two-day period of time. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. not fishy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. <clears throat> um. 
so I guess the overall the point of the or the the main message of the book is uh, sort of a warning to us. Yes. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I studied uh, economics uh, at UC Berkeley, the college that I went to, and uh, actually I pay a lot of attention to what's happening around the world. I foresee that there's going to be some kind of uh, economic uh, collapse or turmoil in the near future, if not already happening. Uh, mm. And this book actually gives a solution for people or gives a suggestion to the people who have been or will be encountering life challenges. So it tells people or readers to look inside of themselves and to seek for answers and not to mm. seek for answers uh, from the uh, agents or intermediaries like uh, uh, pastors in the church or kind of gurus or something like that, because mm -hmm. the kingdom of God is within you, uh, is a Bible verse. verse. So right. the book says that uh, we can communicate with God, the creator, directly by either praying or by meditation or even by having a good night of sleep, because when God created humans like us, it inserted a tiny portion of itself to each one of us. So we are part of God and we can connect at any time with the creator or the source through our higher self. So it asks people really to look inside of themselves for answers. If the solutions or the responses are, are good for the spiritual growth, the answers will be provided to you. So this is actually one of the main messages in the book. Hmm. And and then it talks a lot about like, you know, peace and, you know, stop using nuclear weapons and kind of that obvious kind of stuff. Um, uh, I guess, well, does it go into like, what, does it tell say anything about the nature of God? Because like if we're talking about, uh, we're, we're talking about extraterrestrial beings or or interdimensional or or whatever so that's like okay so there's other um entities out there and they're they're concerned for our well-being and um our kind of our stupidity in the in ruining our planet and killing each other um are they god or is there is there another entity that is the that kind of more correlates to our concept of god yeah, the God in their mind is actually the source or the ether that created the entire universe, including all the ETs, different kinds of uh, extraterrestrials, including mm -hmm. the theobans. Um, and the different levels of ETs have different roles uh, in, in, their, in the universe. Like, uh, for example, the theobans actually have the role of uh, guiding us and uh, sometimes also punishing us just like uh, the two cities, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. But, but they're not God. They're just uh, like guardian angels or what we call uh, mentors. Uh, so they're not God, even though they can perform all the miracles performed by Jesus Christ. Uh, they can levitate. They don't die. They, they are forever young looking. Uh, they don't age at all. They're forever very beautiful. They're hermaphrodites. And... Uh, they can um, shape shift. They can um, uh, materialize objects. They can communicate through telepathy. So basically, what Jesus did in the Bible, as described in the Bible, um, they can do that as as well. 
Well, and that that really reminds me of the Watchers uh, from the Book of Enoch, and which is very briefly mentioned in the Book of Genesis. Um, like, do you think that these guys are the Watchers? Have they been like orbiting, or like maybe they don't need to orbit because they can remote sense us from far away? But are they? They're clearly keeping an eye on us. So this book is very interesting. It has a lot of uh, very interesting details that can be verified. Uh, by by the people who are interested in uh, the ETs actually have been watching us throughout history, especially in the last few decades or so. Um, it, they were actually involved in you know World War II. They prevented Germany being the first country to develop the atomic bomb. In a way, they helped the U.S. government to um, successfully deploy the bomb. Uh, in Japan earlier than Germany, because um, in their mind, the U.S. government was more sincere in helping humanity at that time. Um, mm -hmm. They say that uh, in doing so, they prevented uh, uh, twice as much as people from dying uh, in World War II. So they kind of intervened uh, many times. Um, there's also a very interesting detail in the book in which they um, prevented uh, uh, several hundreds of millions of needles from being released in space. Um, so when NASA, NASA was trying to release a lot of needles, copper needles into space in order to uh, improve the telecommunication system. They were hoping that the, uh, the signals would bounce back um, after hitting the needles, the copper needles in space. But uh, that's, they, so they had a project uh, in the 1960s called Project Westford. Um, but uh, Theobans uh, believed that the needles were harmful, harmful to us. So they prevented from, um, from the needle, the, they prevented the needles from being released. So that's why we see that NASA failed that project, Project Westford. So this is their direct information. I've never heard of that project. Um, it's, that must be still classified then. Well, they released a certain information already, so it's already public um, okay. information. Yeah. So somehow, um, the the author had information revealed to him about a about a top secret mission at that time. It would have still been classified. Yes. Um, and he he had this information that that we now uh, can see. Like how 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 much detail has the released information um like does it does it talk about needles yes it talks about the uh, hundreds of millions of needles uh released into space and then they prevented from that from happening and wow. so this is one such information another very interesting information would be that uh, it talks about the u.s government at the time was developing a time machine Mm -hmm. um, the ETs in this book was are actually helping. We're actually helping the U.S. government to successfully developing a time machine because, according to this book, if you read the chapter uh, titled "The Psychosphere," uh, it says that the U.S. government has uh, failed to develop that time machine because they were focusing on wavelength instead of uh, frequency or vibrations. Um, oh. So it makes me think about the Philadelphia experiment. Right. Yeah, that's so we were this close to getting a time machine 
and then uh, so, well why didn't the uh, why didn't the ETs intercede and you know um, ensure completion of the project Did well go into that I'll use an example or analogy if um, I'm a child and I'm learning certain things about uh, regarding solving a mathematical problem then uh, a very wise parent would show would tell me the concept the basic concept and then it will be up to me to find a way uh, based on the concept to solve the problem on my own that mm -hmm. way i can learn i can get the most out of it if my right. parents just tell me the answer directly without telling me how to do that the basic concepts i wouldn't have learned uh, anything like, like that so this right. is the same way that ETs are helping us indirectly just giving us the basic concepts and then we are taking the challenges on our own in order to learn the lessons mm, okay so yeah because they don't want to they they don't want to spoon feed us in a way they want <laughs> us to learn on our own as well mm -hmm. they never serve the meal on the plate yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. We've got uh, maybe five or ten minutes left. Um, in closing, or what? What do you uh, wish? What do you? What would you like to talk about that we haven't already covered, if anything? Well, I strongly suggest people to uh, get a book either from library, ask your library local libraries to get a book for you, or to purchase a book on Amazon or download it from the internet. So either way, just get a book. It's not for monetary gains. It's for information. It's for the messages. Right. Uh, and I want to be clear. I don't even think that you get anything if it, uh, like you're not involved in the English translation of the book at all. Not at all. You're, <laughs> you're not the publisher. You're not the editor. You have no monetary interest. Uh, you just want to represent the story and, and get that story out there. Yes, because we yeah. have been having a lot of uh, turbulent times in the yeah. world and I really want the messages to be out to help people so that right. they, they know how to respond. Right. So for, for any Chinese-speaking readers, um, that if if they were to purchase your the your uh, translation of the book, uh, some of those proceeds will, will assist you in your further work. No? No, I, I don't get okay. anything out of it. You, you get nothing from any of it. Wow. Yeah, okay. Well, that's uh, so that's good to know because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we've talked a couple of times already about um, should we should we trust people or should we just like believe everything that we hear and uh, and obviously not. And, and a lot of times those uh, one of the reasons is because people are trying to scam us or trying to make a quick buck or whatever. Um, but you're obviously not that guy. Because uh, there's nothing in this for you other than knowing that uh, that this, the word is getting out about uh, some of these um, fascinating and, if true, very um, kind of world-changing some of these ideas, really. Yes. Uh, yeah. The book is especially uh, good for people who have uh, life challenges or relationship issues because it really tells you how to respond to such challenges. And uh, especially, I, I know that uh, in the last two years or so, the Chinese government did a lot of terrible things. And uh, Chinese people were the victims too. And 
so are the vic- so are the people in the United States and around the world. Um, mm-hmm. So really, um, we need to open our eyes and to look for information and for things to um, to to lead us to respond to such situations. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Samuel, for coming on the show today, and uh, it's been uh, very fascinating and uh, enlightening. And I'm definitely more keen to uh, read a lot more of that book now um, after having spoken to you. So I think job well done. You've you've ac- accomplished what you set out to do, and uh, hopefully some of our listeners will pick up that book as well. I'll I'll have another link right here. I'll just put it on top. And uh, again, this is the this is a picture of the book, and uh, you, here's the Amazon link as well. So yeah, thank you very much, Samuel, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you later. Thank you, thank you, Ken. Bye. Okay.